Greetings, 12 uh, One of the reasons they won't let me onto that video is, is that last part. Uh, I'm, I'm not as, as flexible as I would like to, to, to think that I am, but I was very excited about the announcement of the recording studio because you know I believe in my voice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if they know what they're letting themselves into, but uh, <laughs> come on, it's going to be good times. I want to uh, bring you greetings uh, from uh, Pastor Tiam and the team all the way from Ghana. Um, they're having an awesome time ministering, uh, partnering with our, uh, our new church plant um, in, in Ghana. Awesome testimonies that are coming out of there, uh, people being ministered to. They did a, a victory weekend, 12 salvations, um, 12 new people added to the church. So that's, that's amazing. I think we can give Jesus just the glory for that. We love missions, and we want to change Africa. Amen. So let's go on missions. Awesome. Let us uh, turn uh, in our Bibles to the book of uh, John chapter 4. Um, and uh, as we continue in our Bless the City series. And uh, as you make your way to the book of John uh, chapter 4, and you can just land on verse 1 and we'll take it from there. I want to tell you a story um, heard a story of a, a, group of, a group of businessmen who had, who had gone on a, on a, on a, on a business weekend um, and were on their way back home. Uh, and uh, they were at the airport and were running late. And so they were running uh, towards the terminal so as not to miss uh, their flights. And as they running, they happened, one of the guys happened to knock over a, a stand, you know, one of those fruit sweet stands, happens to knock, knock, knock that over. Um, and, uh, and, and food spills over everywhere. And he looks at it and he, and he looks at the time. He goes, I, I can't help with this person. I'm just going to pretend as if that didn't happen. And so he keeps running. And, uh, and as he is about to enter the, the, the terminal, just a sense of conviction starts to hit him. And so he says to his colleagues, he says, look, um, I'm going I'm to catch up if I can. Otherwise, I'll need to just change my flight actually what I did was, uh, was, was uncalled for. I need to go back and rectify. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll change my plane ticket. I'll call my wife and tell her that I'm going to run late if needs be. And, uh, and so he goes back and he finds uh, the, the lady who's working at this kiosk who's, who's busy trying to feel around and pick the fruits or, or, or pick up the fruits and, and things and put them back on, on the shelves. And he notices as he looks at her that actually she can't, she's blind. And so she's feeling around and trying to find the fruit. So he helps her, and they pick up the, the, the food and put them and puts uh, the, the stuff back on, on the shelves. And as they finish up and he's about to, to depart, um, she says to him, uh, Sir, can I ask you something? Are you Jesus? Um, and, uh, and he looks back and he goes, um, <laughs> No. In fact, quite far from it, Jesus um, Jesus is, 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 is like this super moral, high-integrity guy. He never would have done what I did to you. And if it had happened, he never would have run off. Um, I am so far from Jesus. It's not even funny. And, and she says to him, Sir, you must be Jesus. Because I prayed for Jesus to help me when my stand was knocked over. And you came along and helped me. You must be Jesus. And that, and that blew him away. Um, and, and they had an interaction. But I, as, as I was reading about this story, I was just struck 
um, by the power of individual acts um, and how we can tend to overlook even the small things um, that can be a blessing to other people. But uh, when we are willing to go out of our way to be a blessing to other people, you never know, you could be an answer to that person's prayer. To, you, to that person, you could be Jesus. Um, in fact, somebody puts it this way, says, there are people, so for some people, you are the only Jesus they're only going to see, they're, only, they're ever going to see. You're the only Jesus that some people are ever going to get to experience. Um, so, so let us... Let's be encouraged in the individual things or in the small things, uh, not to disregard those. Because who knows, in that moment, to that person, you are Jesus. Have we found our way to John chapter 4? As, uh, as we normally do, I want, I'd love for us to just read uh, some scripture together. And, uh, and so we're going to read from, uh, from John uh, chapter 4. Uh, verse 1, uh, and we're going to read to uh, verse 26. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We, we always start that way. We're going to start this side today. And, uh, and, and you can read along, and if you're not reading along, then you're just paying attention and if, you, if you're new in our midst and you haven't done this before, we, 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 we do it because we love to read the Word, but we also do it because we know the faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so we want to read the Word of God, we want to hear the Word of God, we want to we relate with the Word of God. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to read the first 10 chapters over here, the next 10 t- verses, the next 10 verses, and then we're going to read what's left over there. Is that okay? Okay, so let's go from verse 1. Therefore... When the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. From verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, 
for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. From verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am He. Amen. Some of you haven't read so much Bible in a long time. But it's okay. You're, you're, you're in my hands now. <laughs> Speak for yourself, says Pastor Sai. <laughs> By the way, I tried really hard to, to look like Pastor Sai and to. to I, I was getting there, but uh, next week. <laughs> so, so, Saints, this, uh, this story is an interesting one where Jesus has an encounter um, with this woman and they have a conversation. Um, and, uh, and I encourage you to read on. So I know we read a bit, but, but there, there's, there's more to the story. And as we read on, um, it gets more exciting. Uh, because as we read on, Jesus continues to engage her. And the result of their engagement is that she becomes convinced that he is who he says he is. And because she becomes convinced that he's, he is who he says he is, she goes back into the town. And she starts to draw people. And she starts to say, hey, guys. You have to come and meet this person. This guy told me everything there ever was about me. You have to come and meet him. And the town comes out and meets Jesus and receives from him. And they are convicted and they ask him to stay longer, longer than he intended. And so they ask him to stay a few days and to teach them. And he does so. And there's a, a revival and a transformation in this town. Because Jesus stayed with them and was received. But here's the link. Because somebody believed and was willing to speak about what they believed. And that opened many doors for them. Now the, the story of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman is awesome. Not just because of the outcome, but because of the context. When we understand the context of what is going on in this interaction, we start to see the richness of it, and the story comes alive. So in this time, the Jews and the Samaritans were at odds. In fact, they hated each other. So it was, it was not a common sight to see a Jew and a Samaritan having a conversation. It was not common. In fact, Jews tried very hard to avoid Samaritans. They didn't like them because they didn't consider them pure. And the reason they didn't consider them pure is because about 700 years before Jesus, uh, the, 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 the Jewish nation or the, the Hebrew nation had been carried away by the Assyrians, so they'd been taken captive. And the land uh, that had been left occupied had been, had been populated by the few 
Hebrews who had been left as well as other people that the Assyrians had brought into that place. So there had been a mixing of cultures and, 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 and they had intermarried and so the, the Hebrews considered them impure. So when, they, when the Hebrews came back and wanted to build the temple, the Samaritans wanted to help them build the temple because they were all of one lineage. But they didn't want them to help, uh, and, and so they refused their help, and they established themselves as a Jewish nation. And so the, what the Samaritans did is they just built their own temple. And so there was, this, there was this worship that was kind of almost sort of similar but had other other things intermingled into it. And for that reason, they were at odds and they saw one another as enemies, which had been perpetuated over the generations. And so these are two people groups who didn't enjoy one another's company. And, uh, and here comes Jesus and he relates with this woman and, uh, and, and, uh, and starts to break some paradigms. Now, if we are going to be effective in our ministry to people who don't talk like us, speak like us, look like us, think like us, there are certain principles that we're going to have to take from Jesus to be able to receive the empowering to unlock certain doors. Sometimes the reason we don't minister into other areas is because we're comfortable in our spaces. We want to be comfortable in in social circles where people either look like us, or they talk like us, or they think like us, or they worship like us. Because if people disagree with how we do things, or if they disagree with our outlook, we get, we get uncomfortable. And we have this invisible sort of arm wrestle to prove who's right. And we forget to love people, and we forget to, br- to build bridges and we walk away feeling mutually judged. But there are a few principles that I want to point out to you that Jesus applied that I think would be helpful in ministering across cultures, in ministering across economic barriers, in ministering across nationalities, in ministering across languages. And the first... Guys, you'll, you'll have to drive from the back. Thanks, guys. The, the first thing is that your intentionality is going to have to matter. You can't minister to people that are not in your space unless you're intentional about doing it. That's just logical. And so for Jesus to have an encounter with a Samaritan woman... He had to be intentional about the path that he had to take. So from verse 1, we learn that Jesus learns, oh, the Pharisees have now heard that more people are getting baptized. Even though Jesus himself is not baptizing, his disciples are baptizing, but the Pharisees have now heard of this. So therefore, he decides, okay, it's time to move from Judea and we're going to go into Galilee. Now, that's an interesting side note to me. We're not going to dwell on it. It's not part of our teaching today. But it is, it, it, it is part of, just if we can demonstrate the power of logic in understanding Scripture. Why did Jesus go where he goes? Why did Jesus stay in certain places and why did Jesus leave certain places? In this instance, he left because word was spreading about him and had gotten to the Pharisees. 
And there were either going to be two outcomes of this word getting to the Pharisees. Either they were going to come and interrogate him, and there were certain things that he was not ready to engage them on at that moment. Or they were going to try and kill him, which happened a few times. And so he had to, how he traveled, he had to be smart about how he traveled. So when you read the entirety of the Gospels and you see how Jesus moved from town to town, why he went to this place, it's, it's fascinating because you see this cosmic chess game out playing out where Jesus is kind of three moves ahead of these Pharisees where they try and kill him and he just goes through, through their midst and he leaves. Or they try and ask him certain things and he counters. Or they ask him direct questions, are you the Messiah? And he refuses to answer. I often wonder why. why. Why does Jesus hardly ever answer a direct question with a direct answer? It must, be, it must have been a frustrating experience trying to talk to Jesus. But anyway, we'll get to that. So, so if they were going to leave this area of Judea and they were trying to get to Galilee, the direct route is Judea through Samaria to Galilee. But that is not the normal route that the Jews would take, especially not the Pharisees. The Pharisees would rather, by the way, this was about a two and a half day trip, the Pharisees would rather add on to their trip by crossing over the Jordan into Perea and then crossing over again, missing the whole of Samaria and then get to Galilee so that they didn't have to even touch land that belonged to the Samaritans. This was the extent of the hatred between these two people groups. But verse 4 tells us that he had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? I look at that and I'm going, he didn't have to go through Samaria. He could have chosen to take the, the normal route, but it says he had to go through Samaria because there was a divine appointment that was waiting for him in Samaria. What are the areas that God is directing you to that you have to go into because if you go into these areas, souls will be saved. What are the areas, what are the things that God has directed you to do which are more difficult or looked down upon even, societally unacceptable, but if you do these things, if you speak to these people, if you go into those areas, if you put yourself into that position, there are souls that can be saved. What are those areas? Jesus had to be intentional about his path. If we are going to bless people, if we are going to be a blessing to the city, if we are going to interact with people, we are going to have to be intentional about going to places that we normally wouldn't go. Setting aside time in our diaries that we normally wouldn't set aside. It's going to take us being intentional. The second thing that we learn from Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, is that margin matters. So your intentionality matters, but margin also matters. What do I mean by, by margin? Well, Jesus said, it says he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. We need to carve out time in our diaries to be able to sit at the well and wait. Interesting side note, 
is that it says it was about the sixth hour. It was about midday. So around this time of day, around this time of day, Jesus was having a defining moment with a woman who would unlock a city. Something special about 12 o'clock. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. So we have to be able to carve time out for ourselves to be able to sit and wait. We have to be able to carve our time in our diaries to find the wells. What are the places of refreshing that people easily gather at? What are the places of gathering? If I can't find these wells, I have to be able to carve out time to dig the wells. So this was an issue of inheritance. Jacob had dug this well, but Jesus was taking advantage of it now. Are there areas where people have gone ahead of you to dig some wells? Are there areas where people have gone ahead of you to cultivate social circles, places of gathering, places of of refreshing, where you can come in and simply sit and wait for your divine, divine appointment? And if you don't have those places, can you carve out time in your schedule, in your diary, to dig some wells? Digging wells will benefit you, but it will also benefit generations to come. Just like the well that Jacob dug had been beneficial to Jesus many, many generations later. In fact, it had been beneficial to the nation of Samaria. Now, prior to working uh, full-time for the church, uh, in, in, in working in the, in, in the corporate space, I understand that, uh, that it's difficult to, to cultivate sort of free time. And I understand because I worked in an environment that was high, high pressure, that deadlines, and you better be sitting at your desk. And if you're not sitting at your desk, why not? And all sorts of suspicion, and you have to prove yourself, and it's about appearances, etc. So I understand that we have a lot of pressure that we have to deal with. But my suggestion to you is this. If you find yourself in an environment where you're unable to either find wells in your workplace or dig some wells because of just how busy it is, hey, try praying. Pray that God would empower you with effectiveness. Lord, let me do what takes eight hours. Let me do it in five. Because that will allow me to be able to go and dig some wells. What does it look like to dig some wells? Well, are there cafeterias in your workplaces? People were, were, places where people would go just for a five-minute breather to sit down. Is there a coffee station that you can be at when somebody comes along and you can share about the weekend, the workload, whatever? Are there new people in your workspace that you can help because you notice that they're struggling? All of these are wells that you can dig or sit at to be able to have those, defi- those divine, divine appointments. And it doesn't have to be weird, right? It can be as simple as, Lord, help me, empower me today to be fruitful, to be focused, to be effective in my work. That the work that I put out is of a high standard, but it doesn't take me the whole day. Because I want to have time to be able to relate with my colleagues. I want to be able to 
pop over to the, to the cubicle next to me and go, hey, that's an interesting screensaver you've got there. Is that, is that your child? Hey, what's your child? I'd never asked you this. What's your child's name? Starting conversations. See, half the time we don't engage with people uh, is because we don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to talk to people about. I don't know what's interesting to you. I know if I can find an interesting topic that we can engage on, maybe it will be easy to engage, but what is an interesting topic? Well, I'm here to tell you that your most, or the thing that you're most interested in is yourself. And so if you can get somebody talking about themselves, you are going to have a conversation. In fact, you might struggle to get that conversation to stop might get, start wondering, what have I gotten myself into? We love talking about ourselves. So if you want to engage with somebody, you want to start a conversation with somebody, ask them stuff about themselves. I would often shy away from sharing the gospel or, or talking about my weekend because I was, I was shy or scared or I didn't know how the person would receive it. And it would be something as simple as uh, maybe I wanted to tell them, I heard some powerful thing at church and I wanted to share that, but I would often be intimidated. But then I had this revelation. This guy who would sit next to me, his, his name was Mtu. This guy would sit next to me. He'd, he'd, talk, he'd talk to me about his weekend. He would tell me all of the, the, the nastiest things that he got up to over the weekend. He would tell me about all of his escapades and, and, and all, the nightlife and where he went to and what he did and who he did it with and and he would feel no shame about telling me these things. And then I started to think, hang on. This guy can tell me about all of these things. How, why is it that I feel ashamed or scared to tell him about what is life-giving? He's telling me unashamedly of all the practices that he's engaging on that I know are leading him to hell. I won't tell him about all the life-giving practices that I'm engaging him it, or that I'm engaging in that are giving me eternal life. That was kind of warped. And so ever since that revelation, Mondays were beautiful because I'd walk into the office and I'd wait for him to come and tell, because he'd be keen to tell me about everything that he got up to. I'd wait for him to come and tell me. And I would listen intently because I know my turn is coming. <laughs> and he would tell me everything. And then when he was done, then I would step in and I would go, okay, let me tell you about my weekend. And then I would regurgitate the whole sermon to him. At some point, he started, he started not telling me about his weekend so much. I don't know why. It was just... <laughs> hey, but the seed was sown. <laughs> Come on. The, the, next, the next principle that we need to observe if we're going to make a difference in people's lives is that the company that you keep matters. Verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw. Jesus said to her, Give me water. But here's the part I want to highlight to you. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now there are two questions that come into my mind when I read that his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Firstly, how many people does it take to buy food? All 12 had to go to get, you know. <laughs> so, 
So if we, so if we, want, if we want to know the answer to how many men does it take to go to the grocery store? All. <laughs> one with the grocery list, one with the money, one with the reminders, one with... <laughs> one is the cheerleader, one to keep us all from being distracted and going to the car shop. <laughs> but the second question, the serious question that comes to my mind when I see this is, why did Jesus send his disciples away and be left alone if he wanted to interact with this woman? Well, it's simple. Jesus was going around with a bunch of Jewish boys who, like any other Jew, had deep prejudices against Samaritans. Not only that, but they knew that talking to a Samaritan, but talking to a woman was frowned upon. So if they were around when the woman came to the well, they would have been a hindrance to the gospel. They would have stopped her from getting to Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He clears the way. What are those things in your life that are in a hindrance from Jesus getting to the people around you? Are there people? Are there things? Is it practices, habits? Time-wasting habits are a big one. We waste a lot of time. Social media, watching TV, pointless things that we do that we could be using to engage with other people. But also there are people in our lives that are in hindrance to the gospel. And we have to recognize that if I want to be effective, I'm going to have to be intentional. And I'm not necessarily going to part ways with people, but there are times when I'm going to have to separate and say, for the sake of the gospel, you stay there, I'm going to be here. Now the beautiful thing about it is that whether this was Jesus' timing or not, I don't know. But the, the disciples come back while he's busy talking to this woman. This is the part we didn't read, and so you can go back and you can read that this afternoon. They come back while he's busy with this woman, and they are they're awed. What's going on? Why is Jesus talking to the Samaritan? Forget that. Why is Jesus talking to a woman? Why did Jesus send us away so he can have a private moment with a woman? Jesus, you're confusing us. <laughs> we are afraid to ask you these things directly, but you know we're having a, a, a moment. But what Jesus was doing was, even if it was from a distance, as they bring the, they got the food with them, and here's Jesus, and they're having an interaction, and this woman is talking to him, and he's talking back. And, but Jesus, in that moment, is teaching them what the kingdom looks like. He's modeling what it looks like to break barriers for the sake of the, of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. He's modeling what it looks like to talk to a woman, what it looks like to interact with a woman that other people would consider to be a social outcast. He's modeling what it looks like to throw away prejudices and to engage and see past the things to see the person. So again, the question is, what's holding you back? What is it that you have to fight through in order for Jesus to get to people through you? 
And I'll give you the last principle that we have to observe through the story if we are going to be a blessing to our city. And that is that broken people matter. Broken people matter. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And then there was that awkward moment. And the woman says to him, yeah, I have no husband. And Jesus says, yeah, I know, you're right. Uh, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. So Jesus is saying to her, he says, go, go, okay, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. I know you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five. Now, the person that you're living with is not your husband. What you have said is true. It's easy to look at this scripture and go, whew, Jesus just exposed her. Just read her mail. It's easy to go there. But if you consider the context, consider the fact that in this time, women could not go and get a divorce. As a woman, you couldn't go get a divorce. You couldn't, you couldn't decide, I'm done with this, and you, you go get it. But it was a man's prerogative to just decide, I'm done with this woman and put her away. If you take that into context, or into consideration, sorry, then five times a man rejected this woman. Five times a man decided to put her away. And not only that, but the guy that she now is with won't even marry her. Won't even go there. So what Jesus is saying is I recognize the rejection that you've experienced. He's not saying, ha, busted, you, th you thought I didn't, I didn't catch that, huh? No, he's going, I recognize that you have been rejected in your life. In fact, you have been rejected by five men. And in fact, the sixth one is busy rejecting you also because he won't even marry you. And he will rather live as a social pariah, a social outcast, living in sin. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, but I'm engaging with you anyway. You see, Jesus being a teacher, it was uncalled for that one, he should be, talk, he should be in, in, in Samaritan land, talking to a Samaritan. But not only that, but he's engaging with a woman, an unsupervised woman. Not only that, he is teaching her. Now, that's big if you consider that women were not taught. They were not taught the, 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 the Torah. Teachers didn't interact with women and teach them the scriptures. That just didn't happen. In fact, one of the, one, one of the, 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 the leading uh, uh, teachers of, of the time... Uh, I just forget his name. I don't want to butcher it. But, but he, he, he was quoted as saying this, I would rather burn the Torah than to teach it to a woman. And so, so this, this was the social standing. And these were the social dynamics that were at play. So here is a teacher of the law who is a Jew, who is a man interacting with a Samaritan, who is a woman teaching her. That is affirmation at its highest. He's affirming her, he's teaching her, but he's also saying, hey, I know your stuff, but I'm choosing to engage you and to teach you anyway. You're worth my time.
And so he had to go, he had to work past the natural offense. Did you notice right at the beginning when they, that when they were interacting that Jesus said to her, uh, give me a drink. What does she say to him? She says, hey, what do you want? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You guys want nothing to do with us. In that moment, she, she, she's doing that. You know that thing that we do when we carry rejection in our hearts that we, we preemptively reject? We assume that people are about to reject us. We assume that people are about to say something nasty or whatever. So we, we, we preemptively put distance or, or we strike first before they'll strike us. So she, because she's carrying this rejection, because she's carrying all of this and the assumptions, and, and it's not just assumption, right? So she's experienced rejection and she's, she's socially outcast. And we know she's socially outcast because she's going midday, she's out going to the well. You don't go to the well at midday. It's hot. You don't go alone to fetch water. That's not what women did then. I know this stuff because I grew up in rural Eastern Cape. We still fetch water in the well when I was growing up. And you didn't go at midday. You're going to faint. And when you went, you went with people. And so here's this woman by herself at an awkward time going to fetch water. Why? To avoid all the judges of her life. To avoid all the rejectors of her heart. Because you'd rather be inconvenienced and put out than to have to face their judgmental looks. So here she is, and here she, she's interacting with this man. So she already assumes. So by the time she approaches the well, her heart is already sunken. Because here's somebody at this, I thought this one would be unoccupied. Here's somebody here. Not only, it's a man, and it's a Jew. Whew. What the heck do you want? And so there's an immediate rejection. I'm laboring this point because you're going to have to deal with broken people who are going to push you away, who are going to assume that you have a negative agenda, who are going to, 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 to be defensive before they are receptive. And if we can do like Jesus did, to press in, then we will win people. In fact, I love what Jesus did because not only does he press in, he flat out ignores the other stuff. That's why I'm saying like talking to Jesus was frustrating. Who are you? No, well, uh, give, me, give me water. What do you guys want? Da, 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 da. Well, if you knew who it was who, who, who was asking you for water, you'd actually ask me for water. He's not actually addressing the rejection thing that she raised. You know, well, how are you going to drink this water anyway? You don't have a pitcher. Da, 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 da. Look, people who drink the water that I have to give, rivers of living water. <laughs> Jesus is about what he's about. She's trying to like, you know when you talk to people, you, you, I'm sure you've had these experiences where you finally pluck up the courage to engage people. Hey, uh, let me talk to you about the gospel. Okay, are you a Christian? Okay, let me ask you this. Is God a woman? <laughs> I can't wait, 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 let's talk about I just want to show you these scriptures about Jesus I don't know, I don't know the answer to that question but I want to show you these questions about okay, okay, okay is Africa cursed? hey, Africa must be cursed what does your Bible say about that? Ever heard? I, I have those all the time and it, but, but the lesson from Jesus is if we engage on these rabbit trails we're actually falling into the trap of the enemy and we're never going to get to preach the gospel because we're going to argue side things. 
Even if I know the answer, sometimes I know the answer to the question and I have to resist that urge because it's nice when you know, it's like, yeah, glad you asked. I have to fight that urge and go, that's not actually what this is about. Let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you about what the gospel has done for me. And so barriers that you are likely to face in engaging with people. And as think of them as barriers, but also just things to avoid. It's not necessary. In verse 9, race and gender. I want to read verse 9 to you. It says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? So, he brings, he, he makes an offer to her. What does she deflect with? Race and gender. Another thing that you'll come across is, is reason. A lot, of, a lot of time you'll try and engage with people and all they're interested in doing is reasoning things out with you. Let's argue about evolution. Let's argue about new earth or, or old earth. Let's argue about different things and you end up not actually preaching the gospel and having side arguments. In verse 11, she says to him, you don't have a picture to draw with, how are you going to draw what she's doing is she missed the spiritual conversation that Jesus was having and she was still in the natural realm. And oftentimes, you'll be speaking to people and because the truth that you're speaking, the gospel truth, is a spiritual truth, they miss what you're saying and they engage you at the natural realm. You have to be able to bring them up, not engage them over here, bring them up so that you're having a spiritual conversation. Other barrier that you'll, that, that you'll face and, and good to avoid is, is that of religion. So in verse 20, she says, Well, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Huh? Worship here, worship there, worship like this, clap, don't clap, read a Bible, don't read a Bible, jump up and down. Do you, is there an electric guitar in your church? Yeah, I'm not coming. It's the devil. It's, or, or, all, all of these random things. And you end up having to have a, a theological debate on electric guitars. And you wanted to talk to, to people about Jesus. So just mark these things as things that will come up because they're in people's hearts as you talk about them. But what Jesus did was he didn't feel the need to engage everything that was on people's hearts. But he continuously engaged people with the truth of who he was. In fact, um, just to, to, as, a, as a support, Titus 3 verse 9 says, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, that's race, contentions, that's reasons, reason, strivings about the law, that's religion, for they are unprofitable and useless. Striving about these things is going to be unprofitable and it's going to be useless. So what does Jesus talk about? Jesus talks about abundant life. Rivers of living water. He talks about eternal life. Jesus talks about himself. So when people, when you're engaging people and, and there are potential for side conversations, good things to focus on, abundant life. Let me tell you about how Jesus has moved me from a place of lack to a place of abundance in my life in whatever area you want to talk about. Eternal life. Let me, talk, let me tell you about my perspective on life now that I, I know Jesus. It talks about relationship with God. Let me tell you about the effect that Jesus has, giving my testimony of how I got saved. Let me tell you how Jesus has had an impact on my life and how he's made it better. He talks about himself. He talks about 
so, so, so it's good to talk about Jesus. That's a good, that's a good place to go, to talk about Jesus. In fact, I'll finish with this, that the, there are many times when Jesus was, was, was asked this question directly. Who are you? Uh, are you? Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? All of these things. And a lot of the time he would avoid that question. A lot of the time he would refuse to answer that question. In fact, when the high flyers, the Pharisees, the, 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 the religious elite would engage him on these things, he refused to give himself to them. But he met a broken person and a social outcast. And he says to her, I who talk to you am he. He reveals himself to the broken. He is close to the broken. Do not despise the broken people. Don't despise people because they don't look right. They don't look like people who would be receptive to the gospel or they don't look like people who would be useful to your time. They don't look like they would be a good testimony. You don't know what Jesus is doing with that broken person. Jesus unlocked an entire city with a woman who was rejected six times, was a social outcast, and had nothing to offer other people. Let's stand together. I want to encourage you this week to work on those wells. Find, find the wells in your life. If there are no wells, dig the wells. And find ways to serve people and serve them with love. That it is your project for this week that I'm going to start. And that, that, that doesn't does mean that this week is the only time I serve people, right? But I'm engaging on a process this week. And I'm going to put it down on paper. This is how I'm going to serve people. I'm going to find people in my workplace that I can serve. The person in the cubicle next to me or the person that, that is having a hard time struggling. And I know, I, I can see it, it's obvious. There are, there are ways that I can help. In fact, I'm going to pray for, for the Holy Spirit to empower me to supernaturally get through what I need to do for, for the day so that I have capacity to engage and help and relate with other people. And as always... Because Pastor Sai is here, meet at the coffee well. <laughs> so there's a well right here when you, when, you, when, you, when you leave this venue, there's a well right here. But find those wells, find what works for you, and engage people. You never know, you never know who it is that you're engaging with. You never know what key they are and what door they're going to unlock. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much uh, for your love towards us. Thank you. Uh, for your courage. We, we're asking you for, for just courage to minister. We're asking you, Father, to, to just give us a heart of compassion that notices people, um, that you would help us to, to, to create unrushed time in our calendars. We know that, that living in Joburg makes it so difficult and there's a temptation to just always be busy, but we ask you to help us to fight that culture and to create times in our, in our diaries that can accommodate people that we too, like you did, can sit at wells and wait. And we can listen to your leading and we can talk to people because we have the time to do so. Father, I pray that you would inspire us with creative ways or just, just ways to engage people into open hearts, conversations that, that are from you. Those people that are in our workspaces, that are in our social circles, that you've put on our hearts to bless, help us, Father, to serve them with love, to find practical ways of serving them that they may know your love. Help us, Father, to be bold about preaching the gospel.
because we know that there are people that you've placed in our lives that are keys. There are keys that are going to unlock families, that are going to unlock social circles, that are going to unlock business circles, that are even going to unlock in the political sphere. There are people that you've placed in our lives that are keys. Help us to identify and to be a blessing to these keys. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.